0: Welcome to the Living Faith Fellowship Conference podcast. The Living Faith Fellowship is a peer network of like-minded churches united under a single biblical authority and one common mission. You're about to hear a message from one of the many conferences hosted by the Living Faith Fellowship every year. We pray it's a blessing. All right, so what stage? And so turn to your Bibles, if you have them, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. We're gonna talk about proving all things tonight. But first Thessalonians chapter one and verse five, we have a young church here in Thessalonica, and in Acts chapter 17, you get the backstory. Paul comes in and he spends three Sabbaths with this in this town. And man, that's amazing to think about. Three Sabbaths. Man, that, if you count it, right, that could be fifteen days to about twenty-one something days not a long time and, and, and he goes in and preaches and he sets this up this very young church and then he gets persecuted and he has to get out of town. Am I doing something wrong here? I don't know. What, what's that mean? Hit Troy's like, okay. Oh, now. <laughs> Lee, man, your ears are too big, dude. You stretch it out, man. All right. All right. First Thessalonians 1 verse 5. So this is a special place to Paul. And man, look what happened just that small time he had with him. And it says in verse five, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and the Holy Ghost and in much assurance as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And he became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word and much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God were to spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves shew of us of what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come." Man, what, a, what an amazing thing, right? Man, what an amazing conversion. They're falling after God's, and they said no, and they turned because of the gospel and the freedom that it brought. And then you get to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and Paul tells you, man, what happened there. He says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when he received the word of God, which he heard of us, he received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. For ye brethren became followers of the church of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews." Man, they received Paul's preaching of the gospel, not his words of men, but the truth, the the word of God. And, And man, that did a work in them because they believed and they became followers. And they also suffered, they got persecuted. And what a young church to immediately come into persecution. These young believers having to make a stand so soon. First Thessalonians three says, wherefore, when we could no longer forbear. First Thessalonians three, jumped over there. Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone and sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. And no man should be moved by these afflictions, for yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. Paul loves this church. He cares about them deeply. And so he's willing to stay alone in Athens and send his boy, Timothy, to minister unto them and to establish them and to comfort them. And then he jumped to 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 1, and says, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye would have received of us, how ye ought to walk and to please God so you would abound more and more. For you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. Man, that verse always catches me. He had three Sabbaths with this, with this city. And he says, in those time, in that time, we gave you everything that you needed to walk, to please God, and know how to abound more and more. Hey brother, hey sister, How long have you known Christ? Man, the sad reality of sometimes God's people is that they've been saved 15, 20, 30 years and still don't know how to walk with God and know how to please Him and know how to abound more and more. And this this next generation here got it in three Sabbaths. In 15 days, they knew what to do. How long have you been in the faith? And can you tell me how to walk with the Lord? Can you tell me how how to please him? What pleases our God? And do you know how to abound more and more? Well, man, we get some keys here that Paul lays out for these young believers to get the ball rolling. First Thessalonians 5, verse 16, we'll pick up some here. First Thessalonians 5, verse 16. Paul says, Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing In everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. Paul had written this book to settle some issues, specifically on the rapture. But now he's laying out just a little bit of instruction for them. And In verse 16, Paul, I believe, begins to lay out three abilities these new believers need. The next generation needs to have. And these abilities, man, answers arguably probably the top three personal problems that the next generation, young believers, deal with and also that plagues our church period. Like God's answer to oppression is learning the ability to rejoice evermore. And God's answer to anxiety is learning the ability to pray without ceasing. And God's answer to covetousness is learning the ability to give thanks in everything. And and, and then from there, well, man, it's super important that you don't quench the spirit because from that point, the rest of the problems that are going to come from this world and from the flesh are going to be based on the teacher, the comforter, the guide, the Holy Spirit. So don't quench it. Don't quench that. Well, we know though the Holy Spirit will never work independently of the word of God. So what's interesting that follows, despise not the prophesyings. These aren't just one liners. These are all building. And now prophecy is with a C, or prophecy with a C is a noun. That's a declaration of something to come, but prophecy with an S is a verb and it shows action. It's the procl- proclamation publicly of something to come. You may say he was prophesying a prophecy. Prophecy has two parts. There's a part that's foretelling and there's a part that's forthtelling. Foretelling is something declared about the future. Foretelling is making something public, it's to publish. But biblically, in both cases, it's thus saith the Lord. However, in our church age, in our dispensation, the office of the apostles and prophets are closed. Ephesians 3.20 says, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Man, once you lay a foundation, it's not to be laid again. You don't keep laying the foundation. Therefore, in our place in church history, we see that prophecies is the gifting of the Holy Spirit to a preacher and teacher speaking the truth that is revealed in the word of God. And Ephesians 4 says, man, that those preachers and teachers are to perfect the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So what's crazy is that through the preaching and teaching, the foolishness of preaching, it's to help you mature and prepare and edify you. 1 Corinthians 14, 3 says, But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. Hey, every, every time you miss Sunday school, you're missing some edification. Every time you miss the main service, you're missing some exhortation. When you miss midweek or whatever else you may have, you, you might just be missing some comfort that God has wanted to give you through preaching and teaching the Word of God. Are you despising that? Now in your heart, like, no, I love it. And you're like, I'm here, man. Like, I'm on day three, right? I made it through two Lee messages. I'm here, man, <laughs> right? But listen, here's just some qu- early questions to see if you're despising. Do I need to? Yeah. Okay, hey, say hi to somebody next to you. And growing up, so my dad, side note, my dad, uh, man, grew up in a church and I got to see him transform. And that's one of the things that led me to the Lord. He got into shepherd school, got trained up. And so uh, as a pa- pastor's kid, guess who is the sound guy? Right? So I appreciate that, man. That was like, oh dude, so you're good, man. All right, so just three questions real quick. How do you know may you're despising the preaching and teaching God's word? One, are you attending? Hey man, I see that outside. That's like your first thing to do. Are you attending? And you're like, yeah, I'm here, but you know, we know, because we were once there. You can be here, but you ain't here, right? So two, are you hearing? Are you hearing? And really what we'll probably talk about tomorrow night is, are you growing? you oh, yeah, man, in my personal rate. No, 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 are you growing through the preaching and teaching of your local church? Are you despising it? Tonight, my prayer is that I can show you, may how to grow through the preaching and teaching ministry of your local church through the instruction of the next two verses, so you can be the next generation. So despise not the prophesyings, but then 1st Thessalonians 5, 21 continues, Prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. Now, how many of you heard that as a one-liners? Yeah, but if you keep it in context, the prophesies, prove them, prove all things, and then hold fast that which is good. Listen, not everything out there that's called preaching or teaching is biblical. And so how is a young disciple, the next generation, right? Know what's true or not. Man, there's so many voices out there. A lot of cool dudes with 30-second clips that say some things, and you're just like, wow, that was pretty good, or at least you think. Man, there's a lot of podcasts, a lot of access, a lot of things out there, a lot of voices. How's the next generation? How are you supposed to know what's true or not? Right? How, How are you supposed to figure that out? I mean, my My feed is full of conspiracy theories and videos and all this stuff. And it's, where's the truth? And how are you supposed to know? Well, you got to prove it out. And Paul gives that instruction. So let's play a game real quick. Let's prove this preacher, okay? I'm going to say some quotes. and I'm not going to have names yet, but you see what you think. Okay, here's the first one. Tonight, I'm going to do my absolute best to illustrate, oh, there we go, to illustrate to you something that God showed me out of the back, on the back porch. He put a picture. I explained to you before, I'm a very visual person. So he speaks to me very often of putting a picture in my head. It was as if I raised up looking down on a community as I saw the church in that particular dimension, certainly not all dimensions, not even in many, but in what we will discuss tonight, the church, as Jesus sees it in a particular dimension. Sounds like somebody's been watching Marvel movies. I mean, what do you do with that? I mean, how do you prove, what do you do? Or how about this one? What if someone said, God broke broke the law for love? I say it to every sinner, God broke the law for love. What do you do with that? What if someone said, financial prosperity is God's will for you? And every pastor's like, (laughs) we know that one right? But what if someone said this, anyone who tells you to deny yourself is Satan? What if someone said God wants to take us farther and we can only get there by following signs? Our present understanding of scripture can only take us so far. What if someone said Christians should stop focusing on our need to protect ourselves from deception? That's, never mind and instead our hunger for him must be seen in our lustful pursuit of spiritual gifts. I know you hear the voices, right, next generation? But you're sitting there maybe like, "Well, what's wrong with that?" What about this? The Christian life is to be effortless. Okay. Some of you guys that are in the ministry, you get it. But some of the teens, they're not laughing. They don't They're just getting into this game. And so someone comes along on TV and says, hey, the Christian life is to be effortless. What are you going to do with that next generation? What would you say? How's a new believer, a young person, next generation, someone just freshly saved, the 60, 70-year-old that just got saved, what, what are they supposed to do with that? When they have the people following them, When they have the 600 million views, or whatever it is, what are they supposed to do? There's so many voices today. But if you want to be the next generation, whatever stage that may be, you must learn the ability to prove all things. So you can hold fast to some things, and then you can abstain from all things. So the next generation, number one, needs to prove all things. Again, Paul is addressing a young church, young believers, and they haven't had had a chance to be settled in their faith. That's why Timothy's coming. And so it would be easy for someone to come along and begin preaching and teaching things that are not true. Therefore, as they obey the command, hey, don't despise prophesying. He didn't want them to fall victim to, but the preacher said. So you're not to despise preaching and teaching the Word of God, but listen, all y'all are responsible to prove it out. That's your responsibility, no matter what stage you're in. And how are we to do that? I mean, are we left to our opinions, our thoughts? Are we left to judge what we think is right in our own eyes? No. Here's two simple ways, two simple ways. First way is search the scriptures. Search the scriptures. After Paul hits Thessalonica, he bounces to Berea and, and check this in Acts chapter 17, verse 10 through 11. And it says, the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming hither, went into the synagogue of the Jews. And these were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Paul says there are more noble in Thessalonica than those in Thessalonica. Now think about that for a second. Here's Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles. The apostle born out of due time. The one that's given the church age mysteries. The one who spent time with Jesus face to face in the backside of a desert. I mean, this is, I think, the greatest Christian of all time. And he says, hey, just believe me. No. He doesn't say that. He says they are more noble than the Thessalonians because they search the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Paul said to prove it and calls them more noble because they did it. Remember, 1 Thessalonians, they received it as the word of God, not as the words of men. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 13. And we see that the Bereans were ready as well and they were willing to receive it. So they weren't despising the teaching and the preaching. However, they took what was said and they searched it. They searched it, hey, next generation, be more noble. Be more noble. Search the scriptures. It's a noble thing to search the scriptures to prove all things. And any pastor in this fellowship that's worth their salt wants you to prove it out. That's why we give you a handout, right? With all the verses, with all the Crest references. So it's not our word. You get to take it and prove it out. And so now in a second, I'm going to show you maybe how to do that. But the second way to prove all things, Is not only searching the Scripture, but to study the Scriptures. 2 Timothy 2.15, it's a verse we all know. Study, to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be shamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But we usually stop there, don't we, when we're quoting that verse. But you know why Paul is telling his boy, Timothy, to do that? Because verse 16 says, but shun profane and vain babblings. For they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat as death a kinker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have heard, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Next generation, if you don't want your faith to be overthrown, you gotta learn to study so you can see the vain babblings. Paul says to shun those things once you know that they're profane and vain. Babbling is an interesting word. It's only used three times in scripture. And the first time it's used is in Proverbs 23, verse 29 through 30. Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? They that tarry long at the wine, they that go to seek mixed wine. Have you ever talked to a drunk person? The profanity, the empty talk. I mean, it's fruitless to try to talk to a drunk. That's why I always thought it was interesting, like Benny Hinn and Kenneth Hagin and Kenneth Copeland, this drunk in the spirit. The the Bible says to shun that because it's babblings. They're telling you what they're doing if you listen. But because those profane and vain babblings, listen, they will increase to more ungodliness if you don't recognize it and shun it. 2 Timothy two sixteen tells us that. And not only that, that their word, not God's word, their word will eat as doth a canker. That's green. They're not speaking God's words. And Paul shows some examples by calling people out in verse 17 through 18, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is passed already. And here's their end goal in verse 18 and overthrow the faith of some. You know it's not their words because God's word builds someone's faith. It brings them to maturity. It edifies them. It prepares them. Their word destroys and overthrows someone's faith. You know how you'll know what to shun? How you'll know it's profane and vain? Through the studying of the word. And Mark Schaefer, who invested a lot of time in me, he said this one thing, and it just changed my life. said, "Study what is right, and you'll know what is wrong." Man, we chase sometimes, trying to figure out all the cults and all the weird things out there, and try to find out what's wrong. Listen, when you study what's wrong, usually you'll never end up what's right. You study what's right, now you have something to compare to, and you'll see what's wrong. Listen. What you can gather from this is there are people out there trying to overthrow your faith, and they will actually do it through preaching and teaching. Listen, as you obey and not despise prophesying, God's answer to protect you against false preachers and teachers is prove all things. Searching and studying the scriptures is how you prove it. You are to believe nothing till I has stood the test of proving. that's your responsibility. Praise the Lord, we have a standard that is proven that you can go to and trust to give you the final word against all the voices in this world. It's our King James Bible. Can I give you a practical way to prove all things when it comes to the preaching and teaching of the Word of God? Man, it's right there in your notes. I didn't even give you blanks take the message from Sunday. Something that took Troy and Jeff and whoever else probably 18 to 30 hours to put together. Not, long, not including all the years of them searching and studying the scriptures as well. You take that handout Monday morning. If you want to do your I'm not setting up a legalistic thing whatever, okay? Like if you want to read your three chapters whatever, do that. But just hear me out. What if Monday is your personal devotion with the Lord? You take that handout and all the hours and experience that's behind it. You sit down with your Bible. You sit down with pencils, colored pencils are the bomb, and a handout. And you ask the Lord, Lord, will you teach me? See, these guys aren't getting up here to teach you a one-hit one wonder. They're teaching to build your faith, to prepare you, to mature you. And so I ask the Lord, Lord, what Man, you said, man, you were speaking to me Sunday. I I just want to revisit that. We teach me some things this morning. And you sit down with this and you begin to look up the verses. You begin to search the scripture. And you look at all the cross-references that they give you. And then you begin, you, you study out what what doesn't make sense. Or you study out the cool rabbit trails that may the Lord want to take you on. And then you scribble it in your Bible. Hey, listen. I'm the youngest guy, I'm the youngest speaker here, okay, so maybe I can say this. Stop using the iPad and iPhone. Get a Bible, paper Bible, and start scribbling in it. And listen, you get a new one, and you're like, man, I don't want to mess it up. Okay, cry a river, build a bridge, get over it. <laughs> listen, you're going, to me- you're going to spill coffee and water. You're going you're to write stuff in there, you're like, oh, why don't I write that? I think Jeff was telling me it took him 18 months to rewrite a lot of the notes from his other Bible as he transferred transferred them over. I think he said he got carpal tunnel actually from it, like it actually hurt. But listen, you are to do that. That's your responsibility. Make it yours. See, we're not preaching this stuff so you say, well, you know, Mark Trotter said once, or Jeff said once, or Troy said once, or Sam said once. No, we want you to say the Bible says this. But if you don't prove it out, guess what? You're just going to keep quoting men, and they've got their men to quote. But the authority is the Word of God. So scribble it and make it yours. Make it your Bible. Make it your sword. And then seek the Lord about what the decision you need to make. And then seek to apply the virtue. That's key. Don't skip that one. Make it yours. In Acts 17, 11, and Paul would say if you are he standing here today, if you do that, you are more noble. You're noble if you do that. That simple thing. But I want you to think about, man, how simple, but how powerful that is. FBC, I'm gonna pick on you because I'm in your house, okay? You, you may have said, hey, I, yeah, I don't despise the prophesying."s Okay. Hey, if you had done this the last five years, here's what you would have proven. Issues facing the church, acts, family portraits, Nehemiah, the end times, how close are we? 2 Corinthians, Numbers, the love of God, 1 Corinthians, rapture, ready, reset, the why, what, and how of the church. Not to mention the certainty conference, the battle for the Bible, the church, the faith, the Holy Spirit, the worship. Not to mention the REACH conferences. And I'm not even mentioning Casa Discipleship, Discipleship Institute, Sunday School. Just Sunday morning, the preaching and teaching, if you approved that out, you would have Acts down right now and I could say, hey, what's in Acts 7? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, can you explain that to me? Just Sunday mornings, if you had proved it out. Now, do I, can I ask you, did you despise the prophesying's this last year? This last five years? If I asked you about the end times, can you explain it? Or you'd be like, you know, Jeff said once. Or, hey, you just need to go ask Troy. No, it's your responsibility. And those guys gave that time through Sunday morning, just that time to edify you, to mature you, to prepare you. And this ended up in a landfill. This became your kindling for the cold winters. You never proved it out. And you're wondering, man, hey, I want not be the next generation. Well, if they would just invest in me. They have. And, and, and that's the thing, generation, next generation, whatever stage you are. I don't think necessarily, especially here in the churches that are represented here, that's not, it's not a lack of information. Is the next generation's got to, to learn to prove it. And I'm telling you, if you just do that simple practice to take Sunday mornings, you know, hey, you stay-at-home moms, right, or your moms that have three kids, four kids, you're like, man, how can I do Bible institute? How can I do this? Hey, why don't you just start with Sunday mornings? And prove that out. And through the growth of that, man, and the time that goes, man, maybe time will come when the institute and other things can come. And listen, I'm not dogging institutes. But those that are in it, the only reason you prove it is because you have a test coming. You You don't prove Sunday mornings because you don't have a test. If you had a test on Sunday mornings, would you prove it? Would you prove it out? And that leads to the next one. Next generation, listen, you need to learn the ability not only just to prove all things but to hold fast to that which is good. And this is why I stress with the guys at our church with the institute stuff that, hey, listen, we're going to have tests because we need to see how to prove you and all that stuff. I get the point of tests, but listen, I don't want you to prove all things so you pass the test. I want you to prove all things so you can hold fast to it. Is that why you prove all things? It's so that you can hold fast that which is good. I can tell you that's what the teachers want. They don't want you to just get an A or B or a C or, you know, D's get degrees, right? So, like, they want it so you can hold fast to that which is good. Hold fast is firmly fixed to, closely adhere to. Our ministries are giving the word. The next generation has to choose to prove it. And once it's proven, you have to decide to hold fast. Because listen, the world is going to want to take it away from you. The enemy is going to try to undermine it. You know what? We can't hold your sword for you. You have to hold it. Proverbs says, take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. 2 Timothy 1.13 says, hold fast the form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. If you proved it out? If you don't prove it out, you can't hold fast to it. And listen, I, man, just a personal illustration. Like, man, I, I'm in middle school and I, I get saved. I'm in a good church. I'm in the one that Troy grew up in at the time. And the, Man, the preaching is, is, is fire, man. And It's the first year I, man, I, I read through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. It's and, and just awesome. And I remember the first time I think 1 Corinthians, Jeff Adams is preaching, and I take those notes. I'm in high school at this point. I take those notes, and I'm sitting in my basement after service, and I'm just filling in the cross references. I was proving it out. You know, there's times I'm like, that makes no sense. As I matured, okay, now it makes sense. Other times I'm like, that's a weird cross reference. That doesn't make sense. Oh, it's second Corinthians, not first Corinthians. Like I wrote it wrong. Right? But I need to do that. Like, I need to go through that. I need to prove it out. man, it, it did wonders for me. Listen, if you're going to be the next generation, are you going to let the next five years slip by? If you do, you're not going to hold fast. Lastly, here, number three, it says then to abstain from all appearance of evil. Now we've heard this said, hey, look, if that looks evil, you probably shouldn't do it. And that's good wisdom in a lot of cases. However, again, I don't think it's a one-liner. It's a continual instruction of a personal growth in the context of not despising prophesying. So if you don't despise, you attend, you hear, you desire to grow. But if you don't go home and prove it out, but you go home and you prove it out, and for some reason it ain't matching up with Scripture, not only is it not matching, but it's complete heresy, and you study out, it ain't proven to be good it's actually proving to be evil. Okay. Abstain from that. Now, listen, in most cases in our churches, that isn't occurring, right? And listen, I'm, I need to say this, a wrong cross-reference or a typo is not evil, right? It's a mistake, right? Oops, right? That it doesn't mean the guy's evil because he's, he misspoke or made young or ignorant. That's not evil. As Jeff would say, it's an opportunity for a conversation to have with your leader, especially in our context. Like Kenny was talking, come with kindness and reverence and respect, and and let's talk that out. But I'm saying that to the rest of the voices out there, that you will come across stuff that's like, and that's evil. Instead of entertaining it, instead of chewing the meat and spitting the bones, Paul says to abstain, to abstain from it to get away from it. Second Timothy two says to shun it. First Timothy six, 20 says to avoid it. Avoiding profane and vain babblings in opposition to the science falsely so-called. First Timothy four, seven says to refuse it. Titus one, 14 says, don't give heed to it. So once something is proven and not to be good, and appears to be evil, shun it, avoid it, refuse it, don't give heed to it, don't abstain from it, or abstain from it. And so, let's go back to our game real quick. Prove that's preacher. Remember the, the Marvel movie, quote, particular dimensions? Don't get mad at me, all right? It's Beth Moore. And you're like, she's not a preacher. I know, but she considers herself one. What would you do with that? Okay, what about God broke the law for love? I say it to every sinner. God broke the law for love. Listen, like, he came to fulfill the law. If he broke the law, then our God's a sinner, and we're in trouble. Larry Furtick said this, or Stephen Furtick. Financial prosperity is God's will for you. That's Kenneth Copeland. Yeah. Someone up here did that. Anyone who tells you to deny yourself is Satan. It's Paula White. That's close to us at home in Florida. God wants to take us farther than we can, or we can only get there by following signs. Our present understanding of Scripture can only take us so far as Bill Johnson. He's behind the Bethel movement. A lot of Christian music coming from there. Christians to stop focusing on our need to protect ourselves from deception. Instead, our hunger for him must be seen in our lustful pursuits of spiritual gifts. Bill Johnson. The Christian life is to be effortless. It's Joseph Prince. It's pretty popular right now. Generation, the younger next generation, prove them out. Prove if I'm saying... It's true. Prove all things. Why? Well, Second Corinthians 11 says, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, and they're ministers that transform themselves as minister of righteousness. And they're out to deceive. And your weapon is the word of God. Prove them out. And if it's good, hold fast. But may if they give the evidence of evil, abstain, man. Matthew 7 says, Beware of false prophets. You'll know them by their fruits. Man, check their fruits, not their success. Check their works, not the number of clicks. Check their preaching and teaching, not their, just their five second sound bites. Because Titus one six says they profess that they know God, but in works they deny me, they deny Him. Philippians three two says beware of dogs, beware of evil workers. The abstain from the appearance of evil. Because Titus 1.10 says for there are many unruly and vain talkers, many vain talkers and deceivers especially they of the circumcision, who mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not. And there's their purpose for filthy lucre's sake. Abstain from the appearance of evil. You'll only know that if you study, if you search, and you hold fast. Just to give you a clue there in your notes, just to get you rolling, right? How false teachers manipulate believers just so you get all the blanks and you don't, you know, come find me later. They prom- the promise of wealth, which feeds the lust of your eyes, the desire to have. They promise health, which feeds on the lust of the flesh, the desire to feel. And you may have heard this before, but it's good to know. And the promise of prosperity, success, is the pride of life. They feed on your flesh. We can go on. There's verses there for you to go look at. Put them all there so you can go back. But what I'm calling the next generation, whatever stage you are, is be more noble. Prove all things. Search them out. Study them. Don't wait another year. Don't waste another year. Of the prophesyings. Because if you don't prove this book, if you don't prove the words, if you don't prove it out for yourself, you'll see Ephesians 4 come true. You will be tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. And they're laying in wait to deceive you. 1 John 4-1 says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits. with are of God because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hey, next generation, the odds are not in your favor. There's many out there. They're trying to overthrow your faith and trying to deceive you. and, And man, you've been given good pastors and good leaders and good youth leaders that man come and preach and teach the word of God. And at times, it may not be entertaining. At times, it may not be like, man, what's the point of that? But if you go home and prove that out, man, you know what? You'll find what to hold fast to, and you'll know what to abstain from, and you'll be ready as the next generation in just a matter of time. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you're interested in learning more about the Living Faith Fellowship, visit lffellowship.com. God bless.